Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week you get a treat, you get to double dip in the gospel. I prepared my sermon on John chapter 1, not realizing that I had forgot that I chose Luke. Uh, So, here's the reading that is the second appointed reading for the fourth Sunday in Advent from John chapter 1. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So here we are on the fourth Sunday of Advent. And we prayed in the introit today, we asked our Lord, petition him to rain down upon us his righteousness. What a request that is. It's a bold request. We want to be showered in the righteousness of God. Well, you know from the Old Testament, the Deuteronomy reading, that to be in the presence of God and to hear his voice is also scary. It's a consuming fire for those who are unholy people who are not righteous. So what is this request that we make of God? We ask of the Lord to make us the righteous ones, to cover us with his righteousness so that not that we are consumed in such a manner that we are condemned to hell, but rather that we are saved by his righteousness, which covers us the righteousness of Christ. This is the last Sunday you have to prepare yourself for Christmas Day. This is the last Sunday before we are brought to the realms of the angels and singing glory to the King. This is the Sunday of preparation. Because as we wait for the Lord's return, we grow impatient. We allow ourselves to become distressed by things which in the grand scheme of all the world and creation are not all that distressing. We allow our health, our jobs, our school, the work we have to do, the work we haven't done, the work that is asked of us all to become these pressing things and we forget what our true distress is. We forget what the distress that God has told us We have in this life the distress of sin. We kind of put those things off. Well, our sins are small. They're not all that big, right? We don't have these large, gross, public manifest sins. And so they're somewhat inconsequential. I mustn't worry about them. Rather, I have other things that are more distressing in my life. But it's not true. The most distressing thing that you and I have in this life is that we are everyday sinners. We are saints 
Yes, by the grace of God, baptized I am, and I stand baptized in Christ, but I yet carry around my neck the sinful Adam. I am a sinner. And John the Baptist was sent to proclaim repentance. He was sent into the wilderness, and he drew out people from all the surrounding area to preach to them, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Even before they saw Jesus, the kingdom of God had come near to them, just through the preaching of John the Baptist. Now, when the Jews sent those representatives out there, they weren't trying to be nice and kind to find out who John was. They were being upstaged. This man was calling out people. They were listening to the word of God. They were being taught. They were being rebuked, admonished. They were being consoled with this baptism and the forgiveness of sins. What is this John doing? They were afraid that they would have this upstaged atmosphere lead to some sort of political revolution that would fail and they would be overthrown. And they couldn't have that. They came with malicious intent. Who are you, they ask. But John doesn't respond as we might normally. He didn't say to them, Hi, I'm John, son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. I've lived in the wilderness all these days. Perhaps you've never heard of me. No, he said, I'm not the Christ. Right? Their way was crooked. They should have been seeing and hearing what John was doing and expected to see the Messiah. But they didn't. Nobody expected John to say, I'm not the Christ. They didn't care about the Messiah. The Messiah would have been unsettling to them. What did they want? Well, are you Elijah, the one who has come? No. Are you the prophet? No. Then what are you? He just said, I'm a voice. He wasn't the power. He wasn't the salvation. He wasn't the Messiah. He was just a voice. But that voice carried with it the mighty and powerful word of God to convict the hearts of sinners, to turn them away from sin and towards the one that they were supposed to be looking for, the Messiah. He took those who were the arrogant and the proud, the hills and the mountains, and they were brought low by that law of God. Those valleys where the people were hopeless and helpless, full of despair, he raised them up to meet the Christ. All while those rough places and the crooked ways of the people, having departed from that word of God, the hopefulness of the coming Messiah, by his preaching, the Lord worked and he prepared the way so that they would be looking for Jesus. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. But not everybody confessed their sins. Not everybody repented of what they had done. Some people loved their sins, just like these who came out to meet John and the ones that sent them. Not everyone hears the word of the Lord and repents. Not everyone hears the promise of their sins forgiven and is consoled. 
We stand in the midst of an arrogant world. A world that is not kind to the Christian doctrine. We stand in the world in, in the midst of hostility. It is like this wilderness. I mean, picture how arrogant, you know, we're talking about these mountaintops or these people as, uh, as the blessed Mother Mary has spoken and said that the God has thrown the mighty from their thrones. What are we talking about? Look around us. What do they say of Christians? Well, we're going to make you do the things that you don't want to do. They, the government, even in our own society, taxes us, and those tax dollars are used to fund abortion and have been for years. The murder of babies. All in the name of health care for women. That's, that's not what we stand for. And what, if, what has happened to the holiest state of marriage that God has made in creation? What has the world done to it? What has the arrogant done to it? Standing in the place of God, they try to change it, remake it, allow for things which are unnatural, same-sex marriage, transgenderism, all these things, and they call it virtuous. And they allow divorce to run rampant without consequence, even as it tears families apart. And then when the church tries to stand up or to label that as being a sin, as the Bible has spoken, and preach against it, well, you are unloving. You are hateful. No. Quite the opposite. We love so much. We do not want them to meet the day of Christ's coming in glory with the wrath that is being stored up for this day. We don't want the righteousness of God to consume them like a fire. We want them to be saved and the righteousness of God to cover their sins. Not everyone who hears the law of the Lord will repent. Not everyone who hears that their sins are forgiven will be consoled. Not all those who find themselves in the pit of hell even want to be rescued. But for us, we are being prepared. We're being prepared to find the Christ where he has spoken, where he has promised to be found in the sacraments. John said he was a voice, and so we listen to the voice. The word is preached. John said he baptizes with water. He wasn't the power behind the water. It was the word of God. It was God who was baptizing. And so we find God where he is given in the waters of baptism. We're just a hand. We're just a voice. That is what the pastor stands to do. To be the voice, to be the hand But it is God who baptizes. It is God who preaches to you and changes your heart. It is God who brings himself to you in and with and under the bread and the wine. It is God himself who grants to you his life and the forgiveness of your sins. You see, dear Christian, John prepared the way and even today you are being prepared so that you may rejoice this coming week. All the distresses that you have in this life, God is taking them from you and bringing them 
to his son to carry. They are not for you to carry. Your sins belong to Christ now. You have the righteousness of God. You have the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. You have the God who has promised that that peace of your sins forgiven will be the very gift that keeps your hearts and your minds forever enfolded into the bosom of Christ. This is your life now. A life of humility. But do not think that that is a life which you should be ashamed of. For in humility, we have the promise that God shall exalt us. The poor in the spirit shall be exalted. We shall be raised up. And the peace that our God gives us will cover us each and every day. He will take our pining sadness and turn it into the joys of everlasting life. Comfort, comfort ye my people, says your God. Be comforted. All those who fear the Lord have wisdom. Those who have come to the Lord in fear of their sin, in the distress and the weight, they shall receive the mercy of our God. Do not fear. For in every way that John the Baptist and your pastors, past and present, have prepared you and your heart, in every way that they have done so, they have done so with the hope that you, in your repentance, would be consoled with the forgiveness of your sins and the hope of everlasting life with Christ. That is what we share today. And this next week, we shall rejoice in this great gift of Christ's coming. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.